Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Locked on Seahawks podcast. You are with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. We had a chance to further digest the game. We had a chance to listen and read Pete Carroll's comments uh, on his Monday press conference. And so we got a brand new show coming towards you. Uh, but first, it is with a heavy heart that I report that Kristen Michael was cut by the Indianapolis what? Colts. Oh, yep. man, you didn't tell me that? What? Oh, I wanted, man, I wanted the, the, lead. the live reaction. Oh, what? Come on, Colts. Step it up. Let Kristen eat. Look, this was going to be the year. It, I, the Colts, you know, I'm not a fan of the Colts for many reasons, but this just takes number one reason. Kristen Michael should be on the Indianapolis Colts still. Hope he gets signed by a team. I don't know. I, it's 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 a tough it's a tough way to start out the morning. I read it and I instantly thought, you know what, I need to inform Spike about this, but not inform him too early so I can't get this sweet reaction on air. But uh, oh, all right, I'm over. Uh, it's it's it, this is tough. This is a bitter pill to swallow. Right, and I, you know this is probably my fault because you're driving right now, and it's probably not good to have that kind of emotional swing yeah, that was while you're behind dangerous. the wheel. You put everybody's life at risk with that news break. Right, there is you know at least probably five cars around you right now in Los Angeles. So, <laughs> yeah, yep. but we're we're gonna upwards of five. Yeah, we're gonna we're going to kick off the show right now. Uh, I guess we'll start off with Pete Carroll's comp. Uh, press conference where uh, you can guess it was there. He was peppered by questions about Earl Thomas. Spike, you know, you are the foremost Carolologist expert in this Locked On Seahawks podcast. So, uh, you know, what was his reaction and like read into what he, you know, how he handled these Earl Thomas questions during the press conference? Yeah, Pete's in a bit of a tricky spot right now when he gets asked these questions because Earl Thomas, you know, by the PFF grade, is the number one rated defensive player in football. He's playing out of his mind. And hold, hold, hold on, on one second. And I, I'll add in that Pro Football Focus hasn't been the kindest to Earl Thomas when it comes Great to point. grades. And so for him to, you know, be this, you know, number one player in football to them, you know, that, that's remarkable. Yeah. That is a great point because, yeah, he's been underrated by them in the past. He is not right now. It is crazy how well he's performing. And we can see that. He can see, there's no glossing over how good he's been on the field. Um, and at the same time, he's not practicing. And that's weird for Pete Carroll. But he talked a lot about how he understands what Earl is going through. And he got asked some hard questions like, is it okay? Like, what message does it send when Earl doesn't practice? Does practice not matter anymore? And, you know, he doesn't want to get asked, does practice not matter anymore? <laughs> he is not Allen Iverson. Like, and he had to sort of, like, swallow hard and be like, no, it matters. And, like, we're dealing with it internally. But at the same time, be like, he's playing out of his mind on the field. We love how he's playing on the field. The guys support him. Everybody gets it. It's a business. You know, he's got to take care of the business side. He's also taking care of the football side. And so, you know, as much as Pete doesn't want to have to essentially make excuses for Earl, I thought he did a 
decent job of doing the tightrope walk between the organization's financial side and the on the field side where, you know, Earl is the best player on this team. And he also left the door open to a bunch of different stuff uh, and was like, there's no timeline on it. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I, I genuinely don't know what is going to happen now between the three options, which are extend Earl, trade Earl, and let Earl play out the contract. Off of this press conference, I feel like I am less certain than ever about what's going to happen. Yeah, I think the the door is open for all the all the scenarios, like you just said. Um, I think Earl is forcing their hand to come with, come to a decision uh, sooner rather than later, which is good because you know the sooner we get clarity on this, then the sooner we can move on, whether we have Earl or not. Um, Ian Rappaport reported that the Cowboys offered a second round pick during training camp and the Seahawks want to be blown away. They want more than they gave up in a Dwayne Brown deal, which uh, is justifiable. <laughs> Earl yeah. Thomas is, is playing better than anybody on the defensive side of the football. Uh, his impact is clear. He's kept the Seahawks in games. He's uh, helped the Seahawks maintain a lead and, mm-hmm. I, I he's he's actually catching balls this year, which is phenomenal, yeah. uh, and he's doing it in the craziest way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that well, and, and the safety market is very different than the market for game wrecking D linemen. Right. But you see what the Raiders got for Khalil Mack, and it's basically give or take two firsts. Uh, although they had to give him second the other way, like. One second for Earl is insufficient. I mean, whether it is a first rounder, which I can't see Dallas parting with, given how poor they've been this season and the risk that that is a top eight pick, uh, even if they get Earl. But like uh, two seconds might be a bid that the Seahawks would have taken, but two seconds isn't what was offered. And Earl pointed out, like, they didn't come and get me. They didn't come and make the offer. And now here we are. And like, I don't know, man. This seems like an opportunity for the Seahawks to extend him. Yeah, maybe you're setting bad precedent, but I don't think. Again, like these aren't precedents. Like clearly, the Marshawn Lynch thing wasn't a precedent. They haven't renegotiated anyone else's contract the way they did with Marshawn. Some players defy precedents, and I think Earl Thomas is one of those players. Yeah, no, clearly, especially with the with the play and the level of commitment he's shown in the past to the organization. And we're seeing it kind of shift to a level of commitment for himself, looking out for himself, getting this next contract. We see, I mean, this is this is not a comparable situation, but, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's kind of a comparable situation. You mentioned Khalil Mack, uh, and obviously the market's different, you said, but, you know, th- when it comes to caliber of player at his position, Earl Thomas is the number one player at his position, Khalil Mack arguably, you know, one, two, three, you know, whatever it may be. And so he still should fetch a decent return if he's traded. He should not be traded. He should be extended. I think we've made that clear that that's our stance. But uh, it's it's just crazy. I think that he's not really setting a bad precedent when it comes to, you know, how he handles practice, too. Uh, we see this is obviously different sports, different players. Uh, LeBron James is the best player in the world, but LeBron James doesn't practice every day. LeBron James spends like $20 million a year 
keeping his body in peak physical condition. Obviously, you know, with the way the salary cap is, is and the way contracts are set up in the NFL and endorsement deals, Earl Thomas isn't in a position to do that. And so he's trying to manage his body, manage his health in the best way possible while still adding, like, contributing to this team, whether it be on the field and practice. He's still walking onto the practice field, but, you know, the second he notices something, you know, he's taking a step back and saying, you know, I need to evaluate this and do I put myself at risk? And that's a smart way to approach things. Man, they should just pay. This is stupid. <laughs> We've had this conversation 897 aye, times. Aye. And the simple resolution, there's a simple resolution, and that's paying Earl Thomas. Also, by the way, if you, if you, just as, just as a heads up, if you tweet something at me to the effect of like, oh, they shouldn't pay Earl Thomas, think about Paul Allen's money. I just, it's an instant mute. It's just an instant mute. I, I can't mute you fast enough, but like, it's, it's instantaneous. And it's almost as if someone gets like, you don't really get the last lap because in order for us to mute something like that or you to mute something like that, you need to see it first. And the fact that you saw it <laughs> is them getting one over on you. No, no, no. I, I, I will never be owned. I will never <laughs> be owned online. Don't, don't string um, to yeah, a corn cob like, while you're behind the wheel, Spike. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <sighs> All right. Should, should we? Uh, yeah. Oh boy! Oh, well, I was gonna guys. say, you know, we should we should take a break and collect ourselves, yeah, and come back with some sweet sweet stats from Pro Football Focus. So we'll come back right after this break. Stay tuned for more Locked On Seahawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, people are asking me all the time, who should I bet on, Spike? You know sports. You're a sports guy. Who should bet on? I got to make that money. And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know who to put on. I thought I thought a lot of things would be different this year in the NFL. I didn't think the Vikings would lose to the Bills. You know what I mean? I thought that was show money on the Vikings. But you probably know better than me. The mere fact that you're even thinking to ask me that's smart, so you're ready to bet. And where are you going to bet? You're going to go to the most trusted site online, my bookie. You know they're good. I use them, and they pay out. That is what is most important about MyBookie is you can trust them. But you know what else is great about MyBookie is the app and the fact that you can do in-game betting. And you can even bet over-unders on players' fantasy points. So even if you don't have a take on the game, you have a take on the player. If you know Kenny Galladay is about to pop off for the Lions, you can bet on that and win with MyBookie. And you can win even more right now because not only are they going to match your deposit – dollar for dollar if you're a new user but because they're so slammed with deposits if you deposit after 7 p.m eastern that's 4 p.m pacific that's before the prime time games they're going to give you an extra 25 dollars with the promo code locked on 25 so do it use my bookie win money be smarter than me and then buy me a drink and be like hey man i get that i'm smarter than you but here's a beer feel better and i'll be like that's great man thanks uh so that's so thankful of you so use my bookie Promo code locked on twenty five. You bet. You play. You win. My bookie. We are back with today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. You are still with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman, and you know the Seahawks played by all means their best game of the season. Yes, uh, on Sunday, and you know the stats show it. Pro Football Focus. We've had access to the elite stats, and you know it. 
a, a clean game by the Seahawks, you know, on both sides of the football, a uh, cleaner game than the two games they played before, have really reflected in the stats. You mentioned how Earl Thomas was uh, is graded out as the best player in all of football on the defensive side of the ball uh, with a 93 overall grade. He got another elite grade. It's 91.1. It's unsurprising. He had two interceptions, and he's, he only allowed one catch. Uh, so... Now I think that it's it's kind of remarkable uh, what some interceptions can do for Earl Thomas's grade for Pro Football, fo- fo- uh, pro football Focus, and uh, Bobby Wagner uh, he took well, he had to miss the last game and he comes back against the Dallas Cowboys and you know grades out with a ninety point nine he had a few run stops he had. A, a couple uh, good plays in in pass defense. So yeah, I think that uh, focus has been a, a little generous to the Seahawks when it comes to uh, Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner. Well, I think it's interesting because I feel like Bobby Wagner hasn't leapt off the screen this year the way he did last year. At this, I mean, like through ten games of last season, he was one of the favorites for Defensive Player of the Year. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, he might have won the award. And that was because he was racking up massive tackle numbers. And he hasn't been doing that this year. I think he's had seven tackles in both games. This is showing is he's having a massive impact. And I wonder, and this isn't based on the numbers. This is just me sort of being like, why is he having such a huge impact, even if the tackles aren't there? And it's making me think that in the way that, like, Richard Sherman, they wouldn't go at him at a certain point in his career. I wonder if there's a degree, especially with KJ Wright out, especially with a raw, untested sort of linebacking core, Austin Khalifa getting a lot of snaps, and new guys in Barkevius Mingo and Michael Kendricks getting a lot of snaps. Maybe they're not running at Bobby Wagner, and when they are, he's killing them still. And that's just like a theory that I have. I haven't looked at the tape to back that up. It'd be interesting to see if teams are doing it. I know that teams don't frequently scheme against personnel like that, but I wonder if they're bouncing stuff outside more to try to exploit the weaker parts of our linebacking core. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising at all. I think too, Bobby Wagner is possibly getting to the to the ball carrier early and often in the play, and so when you know he's making these run stops, that that boosts his grades a lot. So getting to the ball carrier early, I think, really benefits Bobby Wagner. And we're going to flip to the other side of the ball, specifically to the running game. We're going to stay on that topic. Uh, Chris Carson graded out with a seventy four point seven. Uh, he had a, a pretty weird uh, yards per carry number, but because he attempted uh, rushing the ball 32 times, so you know he's gonna he's gonna get his yards by effectiveness or attrition, a little bit of both. But he had 3.28 yards after contact, and he broke four tackles. Uh, I think it it the, this grade reflects how physical. And how patient he is when he runs the ball. He picks his hole, and uh, he's met by contact. He he runs through contact, and we we've seen that, and it reflects in this grade. Yeah, and it makes me think about the offensive line too, which is obviously a vastly improved unit. But there's a lot of talk right now, a lot of chatter. It's possible that Sweezy and Fluker have pushed, pushed Posick out of the starting lineup. And the fact that he graded out, that Carson graded out so well, and you can see in his performance, he looked great. He looked absolutely great, breaking tackles, not going down at first contact, consistently falling forward, keeping his feet, doing a bunch of stuff we just haven't seen Seahawks running backs do in a while. 
But if he's doing all that and still only getting like 3.2 yards a carry, like maybe the offensive line isn't that much better. And maybe we shouldn't necessarily be thinking, oh, it's time to bench Ethan Posick. That's just, a, again, these are just uh, reactions to the numbers, seeing sort of what the second order effects might be. But for me, I'm like, this raises some alarm bells about how effective our run blocking is really being. That said, it's not a catastrophe anymore. We're right. at least not having guys get destroyed in the backfield. And for that, I'm so thankful that Tom Cable is no longer associated with this team. Uh, may Mike Solari live and be healthy forever. Amen. Um, staying on the staying on the topic of the offensive line, uh, they gave Russell Wilson sort of the cleanest pocket he's had all year, and you know he did work from that clean pocket. He completed thirteen of seventeen attempts for one hundred sixty nine yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, and when he had that clean pocket. He had a pass rating of 146.4. Uh, I think we should stay and on topic of the offensive line. We know what Russell Wilson can do from a clean pocket. We've seen it. He's underrated as a pocket passer, and you know, hopefully, he gets better when he's under duress. You know, we've seen him perform better when he's under duress in years past. You know, hopefully, that comes along this year. But the offensive line, by all means, you know, started off the year pretty rough whether it be a product of Russell Wilson moving out of the pocket and him creating a little more pressure for himself than usual and them just straight up getting beat uh I think that this is a game that they can build on uh they've seen them put together a we've seen them put together a performance worth building on last year in the middle of the season after the Dwayne Brown trade and it immediately fizzled out and so there needs to be some continuity there needs to be uh, some, some, you know, I don't, I don't know if there needs to be a lot of tweaks. I think Ethan Postick is a better player than Jarrah Sweezy, but for the sake of keeping things together and seeing how it goes for a second week in a row, I think that might work, uh, might be worth, uh, doing for the Seahawks. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, the other thing is like, is Justin Britt going to be back? I mean, Joey Hunt played pretty well, but is Posick a better option as at center, which is something we talked about last week, the potential they'd shift things around, assuming Posick would be healthy, which he wasn't. So, I, I, I mean, there are a lot of questions right now on an offensive line, but they're good questions. They're how do we make this the best unit it can be, not is this unit going to get our quarterback and running backs literally murdered? So I like these questions. These are fun and smart football questions to ask. Yeah, I uh, I think it's best when your offensive line just doesn't let the, the opposing defensive line all the way through to your quarterbacks and running backs and uh, make lives hell for them. So yeah, I think that I think that when it comes to the offensive line, uh, you need you know a few things. You need health, you know, good feet and physicality, and uh, they have they have that in spurts. They have that all throughout the offensive line, but not as one cohesive unit yet. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can put ta- put that together with uh, with continued play with the same lineup. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Oop. Uh, I think that is the absolutely the question, and uh, I don't know. I got I got a good feeling about the offensive 
I think good feeling about the offensive personnel developing. Just everything with Schottenheimer, everything with the play calling right now is feeling good on that side of the ball. Uh, and so, yeah. And again, it's coming off like a really low baseline, which is last year's Seahawks offensive line. But this is better. No doubt about it. This is better. So, yeah. No, the, the thing with Schottenheimer is that no matter how good our players are, whether it be you know Russell Wilson or a player on the offensive line, I feel like there's just this cap to how good they can be with Schottenheimer, yeah. and that you know goes back to play design, and that goes back to the personnel that's on the field, and you know no matter how good Russell Wilson is, I feel like there's just this hard ceiling now of you know how good he can show that he is on the field when Brian Schottenheimer is his offensive coordinator. Some sort of shotgun shell, if you will, that is over the top of the Seahawks' offensive potential. I don't know. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. I'm sorry, guys. It's sorry okay. you had to hear that from me. It's all right. I've I've said much worse. Um. All right. So I think that I think that does it for uh, this part of the show. We'll come back and uh, finish this thing out so for uh, stay tuned and and uh, listen for more Locked On Seahawks on the Locked On Podcast Network we are back with the final portion of today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast you are still with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman and we're going to continue this conversation about the offensive personnel on the Seahawks uh, under Brian Schottenheimer uh, we see you know one week uh, Chris Carson's on the field for a few snaps, and then the next, he has 32 carries, and uh, he plays the most snaps out of any running back on the team. And you know, it just gets me thinking: Does this team know what to do when it comes to you know the personnel that's on the field, and do they have you know a solid game plan? You know, th- it seems very reactionary from week to week. And you know that it, it can be seen in the way you know Chris Carson plays, and it can be seen in the way that they're going to handle this offensive line situation uh, when questions come up of Ethan Posick being benched because of a good performance from J.R. Sweezy. Now I'm all for continuity and seeing if they can ride this thing out and playing well as a union, as a unit. Sorry, but. You know, it it makes me think how reactionary this this team is, this offense is, to you know their performance week in and week out. Yeah, I I wonder how much this has to do with the on the field product versus the off the field product versus like stadium related issues. I mean, we saw today the city council approve a seven hundred million dollar renovation of Key Arena. We've seen Safeco Field get one hundred thirty five million dollars in public subsidies for renovations, which are oh boy, am I not a fan of that from a political perspective the uh the key arena stuff is all privately funded uh which is certainly a more interesting and positive way for these things to happen uh but it all leads to the idea that maybe maybe the seahawks aren't squeezing the most value out of their franchise at this point i don't know if that's the case honestly like well they concession prices are down the like the branding is good i don't know might also just be like he's old and done you know like guys get old time to move on i i I don't know i don't know um 
Yeah, hopefully this doesn't presage a uh, sort of scandal like what happened with the Mariners this year where a bunch of internal stuff leaked out about some former and current executives there. Hopefully that's not what this is all about. Uh, but that's the sort of thing like I feel like I have to raise in 2018 because maybe, you know. So anyway, yeah. I don't know, guys. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's definitely a, a time where like you need to take a step back and evaluate your organization and make sure you have the right people and and sometimes people aren't looking out for the right people and they you know look out for the wrong people that don't have done the wrong things <laughs> uh we've seen that all too often in you know many arenas not just uh sports but uh alas we'll uh we'll shift the conversation a little bit um i i, I think that you know when it comes when it comes to the organization, we haven't seen a whole ton. Recently, we haven't seen a whole ton, you know, a, a negative. I think, you know, the biggest thing that we've seen, and, you know, this can be, you know, a positive or a negative, depending on how you view things and how you live your life. But, you know, the biggest, you know, scandal or, you know, how, whatever you want to call it was Pete Carroll bringing in Jordan Peterson to come talk yeah. to the whole team. And uh, I don't. I don't think that. I don't want to weigh in. Well. I don't want to weigh in on Jordan Peterson right now. Boy, this is worse than the Kristen Michael news, Grant. Ugh. Right, but I'm saying like that's that's the scale of which things have you know on on. I, I guess the scale of morality. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, like who knows what's happening behind the scenes with some of these players? I mean, they they employ Frank Clark, they employed Tom Cable for years, so there is that side of the issue as well. I don't even know, man. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think. I don't think that we can give the benefit of the doubt to any football team or sports team on you know moral decency. So, yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. Right. Look, I saw the Will Smith film concussion. I know what's happening. I got yeah. my eyes on it. <laughs> All um, right, I, I think I think this is a good time to uh, call it a show and uh, wrap things up for the day. We want to thank you guys for listening, and uh, make sure you go to iTunes and leave a five star review. It's greatly appreciated. We always check for new reviews, so if you go there and uh, leave a review five star review we'll probably give you a shout out read it on the show uh but if you can uh, if you have trouble finding the podcast you know it's not that hard to find you can go on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher tune in anywhere you want to listen to it it's probably there i'm gonna check if we're on soundcloud because i'm not sure uh so we can just post our soundcloud under any viral tweet that uh either i or spike author um but yeah, yeah, thank you guys for uh being loyal listeners. Yeah, man. Do it. Listen, keep listening, keep listening. Keep and keep using our promo code. Uh this time it's uh with my bookie, it's my uh it's locked on twenty five for mybookie.ag. Uh and and use the promo codes that we you know spurred out for all these other uh great products that have connected with our show. Uh, I think that does it. So for the Locked on Seahawks podcast, I'm Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Friedman also signing off.